Hey, welcome, welcome, everybody. Welcome to all of you here in the building. Welcome to all those on the patio, including all of those who brought their dogs. Uh, you know what? We may not be growing in some ways, but we have more dogs showing up every single week, So, which I think is super, super fun. And then a big shout out to all of you online. Uh, I love that we get to be together in lots of different ways. And I love saying this because I know it's true. Geography does not define family. Geography doesn't define family. Uh, so all of us, Corona, Norco, Riverside, all the other places you come from, Orange County, plus all of you who are watching across the country and uh, even around the world, we get to be family together. And I love, love, love that. Let's pray. Father, we praise you that we get to be family. We praise you, God, that in lots of different ways over this year, We've got to tune in to your word and, and allow your word to go inside of us. And may what we talk about today be something that moves us to a place where we live our lives in a more focused, intentional way for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, in that video, Jacqueline asked a question, and I want to ask it again. Have you ever had someone come up and in a moment of time before you even knew it, you thought, what are you doing? Maybe they pull up in a brand new car you know they can't afford and you're like, what did you do? You know, or uh, maybe, maybe they owe you money and they went out and, and bought a bunch of stuff and you're wondering what's going on? Uh, Pam and I one time had someone living with us. We were trying to help them get back on their feet. And I'm sitting there, and I'm just about to tell Pam, we need to have the talk, because I don't think they're moving forward. And that means they need to move out. Do you know where I'm going? And all of a sudden, there's kind of this knock at the door, and we open it, and this person we're trying to help has all these bags. They had gone on a shopping spree. And they come in carrying them, and like, look at all that I bought. And I'm like, yeah, I'm looking at all you bought. And number one, you're not supposed to be living here that long. Number two, there's no room. And I know you don't have the money. And you just put, and I'm, I'm sitting there looking like, what are you doing? And in my mind, I'm like, this is not okay. And then I wonder how many times God looks at me and says the same thing. Chuck, what you just spent that money on is not okay. Because you know, I've told you before, and if you're brand new, you need to hear this. The Bible actually says two things reveals what's in our heart. One is what we say, and two is how we spend our money. That actually says a lot about us. That's why you sometimes have that reaction. Uh, and again, we don't want to be judgmental, but let me say this. That's a way of actually diagnosing where someone is in, in their value system, in their priorities, and, by, and, and I think that's a way for you and I to measure where we really are, to take a look at ourselves and to wonder what's going on. See, James right now is doing that. Uh, James is hitting a section in this letter where he starts to give people some warnings and he targets one specific group he begins to warn. Now, I want to kind of let you know what's going on here. James is writing to a group of people who've been scattered throughout the world because of their faith. Uh, they would go from a place of more intense persecution and be scattered to a place with a little less persecution. But that meant they lost their homes. 
They meant that, that some of them were separated from family and felt isolated. That meant that some of them lost all their possessions. But as, as, as would be true today, many, many, many of them ended up doing better financially. They moved to a place where their particular profession was more needed. They moved to a place where they could actually experience more coming their way. And so James is going to talk to that group. The group that are doing better financially uh, in the midst of a time where so many are not. Which does bring us to think about this right now. I don't know if you've been watching what happened over the last year. But over the last year, it's about 50-50. About 50% of the people in the United States are doing way better financially than they did last year. 50% are not. Which one are you in? Are you in the 50% that's doing better or the 50% that are not? Uh, 50% of marriages got better. 50% of families actually became happier. So, you know, I know it's true that some are struggling and we care about that. But you can't miss the fact that so many people are not struggling. They're actually doing great. As a matter of fact, it's okay if you are. I actually have talked to some people who feel guilty that they're doing so good. You know, it's almost like, you know, survivor's guilt, you know, in the midst of it all. But I don't want you to feel guilty. I just want you to have the right perspective. And that's what James is going to shoot at. You already know this. When God blesses you, you're blessed to what? Be a blessing. So if you're in the 50% doing better, you ought to be saying, okay, how can I bless God and bless others? Because I just got blessed. And, and you and I need to think about that. You and I need to have that as an intentional part of what we're looking at. Then you also can't miss this. That would be a, a, a perspective looking at ourselves from the United States. If you look on a worldwide perspective, then you have to realize that no matter what's going on, almost for sure you're blessed. Why would that be? Well, uh, let me say this. If you make more than $50,000 a year, you're among the top 1% of earners on the entire planet. Did you know that? If you make more than 50000 a year, then you're actually earning more money than 99% of the people who live on this planet right now. Uh, most of the population of the entire world, 80%, lives on less than $10 a day. And now the prices have gone up. Many of us spend more than that at Del Taco. <laughs> That's a sign of the end times. Um, the median household income for the global population is less than 10000 a year. More than a third of people on earth live on less than $2 a day. They used to talk about the bottom billion now it's the bottom 1.2 billion that lives on less than $1.25 a day. That would, uh, by the way, be defining extreme poverty. And, and that number is rising, which, by the way, sad to say, was not un unexpected. Uh, one of the things that's been said is your coffee costs as much as many people spend in a whole day on trying to make it. Children in rich countries, this is a big one only face a 1 in 165 
chance of dying by the age of five. But in extremely poor countries, their chance of dying is one in six. So in the United States, a child only has a one in 165 chance of dying in some way, shape, or form. But in other countries, it's one in six. And uh, if you're watching this message on a computer or a laptop or a smartphone, and you have electricity, and you have connection to the internet, then by the world standards, you would be ex considered extremely wealthy. Now, we need to understand that God is looking at us and asking, what are you doing? That's what James is going to say. Um, let me just get ready. James is going to get pretty harsh. Uh, so I think what I say, I'm not planning on being harsh, but when I read the verses, you can't miss how strong he gets and what he's about to say. So in James chapter 5, 1 to 6, he says this, I want you to know that riches put you in a place where God's going to warn you about something, and riches also can bring a judgment from God. You know, and we need to understand there's an accountability that comes with that. So in James chapter 5, verse 1, it says, Come now, you rich, weep and howl, for your miseries are coming upon you. Your riches have rotted your garments and have become moth-eaten. Your gold and your silver have rusted, and their rust will be a witness against you and will consume your flesh like fire. It is in the last days that you have stored up your treasure. By the way, we're living in the last days. I don't know if you're aware of that. Uh, if you're just quickly, I do want to pause on that. We are living at a time where a group of people from Russia who may be tied to the Russian intelligence community just put our nation on notice. They can shut us down in a moment. That actually is predicted in the Bible. Did you know that? We are living in a time where there's unrest in Israel, particularly in Jerusalem, and even more specifically on Temple Mount, and the Bible said we are to keep our eyes there because that would be a major tipping point for God bringing about other prophecies in the last days into place. So James said, all of us who are wealthy today or have any kind of financial resources, you're in the last days. Even more importantly, how are you handling those? Are you investing in the eternal? And so he says, I want you to know, are you investing in what matters? You see, all the money you and I have today, when we get to heaven, all that's going to matter about that money is how we used it for God and how we used it to bless others. But there's an accountability to that. So James said, I want you to be aware of that. Then he says, all of us, who oversee other people, he said God cares about how they're treated. So it's called the cry of the laborer. And uh, James talks about this in this particular part where he says these words. He says in, in verse four, behold, the pay of the laborers who mowed your fields, which have been withheld by you, cries out against you. And the outcry of those who did the harvesting has reached the ears of the Lord of the Sabbath. The Lord actually says, I care about this. I care about how the people you oversee are treated. Um, I used to be a next-gen pastor uh, before I became the senior pastor or the lead pastor. 
And uh, when you're the next-gen pastor, you have a whole different mindset on how you do ministry and, and how you approach things. And I'll never forget what happened the day I was actually and officially the senior pastor of Christ Church of the Valley. I became very, very aware that God would hold me accountable of how the people who worked for us were treated. And that we would handle the finances in such a way that they and their families would be okay. In other words, that they'd get their paycheck on time. That they would have security. Now, by the way, I think all of you here, would everybody agree, those who have people who work for them, we ought to, we ought to care about them. Would everybody agree with that? Yeah. And, and I began to realize that's a heavy weight. It's way more fun to spend the money than manage the money in a church. And God, God put that on my heart. It still is. It never went away. I think it's very much like when you're a parent, you, you do wonder, am I going to be able to take care of my kids? And am I making good decisions for them? So God said, if you're in any kind of position where you oversee others, then you need to make sure you're caring for them in a way that matters. And the Bible, not just here in James, over and over and over, says when we get to heaven, we'll stand before God and be held accountable for that. So God is saying something very powerful and interesting. He says, I want you to know that if you have any kind of wealth, any kind of resources, they're an indication of where you really are with me, and they will indict you if you don't use them correctly. Um, one of my favorite movies is Schindler's List. And as I was getting ready for this message, there was a particular scene in the movie that really, really came to mind. Uh, if you're not aware of it, Schindler was a very wealthy man at the time that Hitler took power in Nazi Germany. And when he became aware that there was a Holocaust beginning to happen to the Jewish people, Schindler could not sit back in his nice house with all that he had and not try to do something. If somebody was that in need, he couldn't stay silent and he couldn't be inactive. He couldn't be passive. So he dedicated, even at the risk of everything he had and even including his life, including his family's life, to try to save as many as he could. And at the end of the, the movie, he's walking out and there's a huge crowd of people that he saved. They're gathering around to thank him. And he looks on this multitude of people that he had dedicated his life, energy, and resources so that they could live, so that they wouldn't die. And one man walks up to him and says these words. He says, he who saves one life saves the world entire. It's a Jewish statement calling for all of us to remember how important it is to be our brother's keeper. He who saves one life saves the world entire. And when he said that, what he was trying to say to Schindler is, look what you've done. Look at the difference you made. But Schindler begins to get so emotional. And he says these words, I threw away so much money. 
I spent so much money. And then he looks at his car and he says, that car, it's a really nice car. He goes, this car, why did I keep this car? I could have saved so many more. I could have saved so many more. And then he begins to cry. He begins to cry because he cares so much. He begins to cry because he realizes, I could have like helped one more or another more or another more. And I don't know how you would feel when you watch that scene or felt when you watched that scene. But I thought, what about me? Do I care? Or am I someone who can care less? I think we all fall into that camp. You're on one side or the other. You either really care or you could care less. And, and God is saying to you, I want you to care. I want you to do what you can. I want you to make a difference. You see, God gave you all the resources you have. Deuteronomy 8.18 says, But you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who is giving you power to make wealth, that he may confirm his covenant, which he swore to your fathers as it is this day. So you know what? God says, whatever you have, I'm the one who gave it to you. By the way, don't miss that. If you're a follower of God, you need to buy into that. Whatever you have, whatever you get, God in the end is the one who gave it to you. And then he says, I want you to take some of it. He never said all of it, by the way. But I want you to take some of it and invest it in things that are eternal. And I want your heart to be there. I want it to not be because you have to. I want it to be because you want to. In Matthew 6, 21, it says, where your treasure is, there your heart is also. And so we know that heart can be seen. Heart can be realized and analyzed and diagnosed by how we use what God has given to us, which brings up a very clear principle of the Christian lifestyle. It's in Proverbs 3, 27 and 28, where it says these words, do not withhold good from those whom it is due. When it is your power to do it, do not say to your neighbor, go and come back tomorrow and I will give it to you when you have it with you. I want to get real honest with you. Get ready. Uh, when I prepared this message, I began to analyze how does this apply to me? Because I always do that. And over this last year, I've done something different. I've quit carrying cash. Because why? Nobody wants it right? And I realized, well, then how many times am I not able to help someone in a moment God would want me to? So I, I decided I would start carrying cash so I could. Not for me, not to buy it, just for others. And yesterday I went to Albertsons and I'm sitting there looking at my phone and there's a knock on the window, and I look, and there's a mom standing there with her child. And she goes, can we have some money for food? I forgot the cash. I felt so bad. I thought, God, I know you told me not to be this way. And I don't know that she didn't understand that that look on my face was 
how aggravated I was at myself because she all of a sudden just looked almost scared and grabbed her son's hand and ran off. And I'm thinking, no, 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 I'll buy you food. I'll find a way. I have a choice whether to carry cash or not. She doesn't. And I thought I could have helped her. I should have helped her. I was supposed to. God, God is asking us to really look at this. He says, well, if you have the power to help somebody, help them. And then James goes on. Get ready for how heavy these words are. And James, he says this in verses 5 and 6. You have lived luxuriously on the earth and led a life of wanton pleasure. You have fattened your hearts in the day of slaughter. You have condemned and put to death the righteous man. And he does not resist you. He said, you, 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 you've condemned them. By the way, how do we condemn them when we could help and don't? We're condemning them to at least not having what we could have done and maybe worse. But when we do help, we give not only the help, we give something even better. We give hope. See, I'm sure Jesus was on the mind of James. James was thinking about Jesus and that Jesus told two stories that you and I are never to forget. One is called the story of the rich fool, which is found in Luke 12, 15 to 21. And that's a man who kept making more money, more money, more money. And he kept building bigger barns and bigger barns. And God called him a fool and then said, I'm taking your soul tonight. Another is the story of a rich man who had someone near him named Lazarus who was so poor he could barely make it, so weak he could just barely get by, and, and the rich man wouldn't even give him the scraps from his table. Now, interestingly, those two men Jesus condemned to hell because they did not, they did not care enough to make a difference. God is clear on this. It's not even a question if we love him that we're going to tangibly show the love for others. So we need to be committed to God and God's ways. So where does it begin? Number one, we need to be committed to God himself and how we give to him financially. In Matthew 6, 19 to 21, it says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So the Lord looks at me and says, Chuck, are you, are you giving to me? Am I first in your finances? Because then that's a sign whether I'm first in your heart or not. So then it starts with me giving the first 10% to God and giving offerings to him beyond that. And uh, then the second is I need to have a plan to be generous. You need to have a plan to be generous. Isaiah 32 verse 8 says, But generous people plan to do what is generous, and they stand firm in their generosity. Um, we, like most of you, have a budget. Number one in our budget is what we give to God, and we do that first. But you know what else is in our budget? It is the sponsorship of children. Because I want to make sure, and Pam is committed to make sure, that children who don't have can have because we're going to help them. And we do uh, 
four children right now through our Crossroads uh, Global Outreach Ministry. Three are in Kenya, one is in Palestine. And uh, we, we want to dedicate resources to make sure their lives are better. By the way, I think I've tried to tell you this over and over. There's a picture of our three in Kenya. We love those kids. We love those kids. But more important than the $38 we give to them that gets them a Christian education, a school uniform, medical care, food, they get value and they get hope. All three of them are doing great in school right now. They're doing great. They're getting an education. That's game-changing in a person who's caught in extreme poverty. Jadida, the oldest one's not gone through the horrors that she would have gone through had she not been a part of our ministry. I'm not even going to tell you what happens to a girl her age in the slums. But none of that's happened to her. And we get to be a part of that. And the little girl's going to be spared that too. Ephantis couldn't even speak or read or write. And now he's getting straight A's. Does that matter to God? Oh gosh, you know it does. And we have a plan, a generosity plan. We also have an envelope because we use the Ramsey system for a plan to help other people. So whenever we get any kind of income, we give to God. We make sure our kids are sponsored. And then we have an envelope. We put an amount in and we let that build until God shows us somebody to help. And uh, it's all about can we make a difference? I'm hoping that if you're in the 50% who's doing better that you're going to up your game in helping other people. I, I would hope you, that was what you've been thinking. You walk in and sit down and say, God, you bless me, and maybe you're single or, or you're married or whatever, and you, you get with whoever you need to and say, God just keeps blessing us. Who are we going to up the game and help? So many of you have joined in with us to do that. As a matter of fact, right now, 1,158 children are sponsored uh, because of you. Uh, they have hope. Praise God for that. Right now, we have the opportunity to change the life of 250 more. I want you to watch this. My name is Sistine. I'm 11 years old. I have lived in Madare Valley my whole life. I was born to be a street girl. We all wish we could go to school, but many kids like me can't afford to go. They don't have much to do. They just stay home. Before I joined Missions of Hope, life was so hard. Sometimes we didn't have enough food to eat. My mom would go on the street to look for food. We could go without food even for a day. One day, my mother told me she found a school for me. I asked, which school? She said, Missions of Hope. 
Now that I'm at Mission Sofu, I'm in school. I'm learning so much. Math is my favorite subject. I'm eating two meals a day. They provide us health care and we can see the dentist. I gained confidence being in school. I even lead our school music team. I want to be a musician when I grow up. Missions of Hope is like a family to me. I feel that, like I'm loved. I've seen how God is taking me far from the street up to now where I am. It's God. Without God, I won't be here. I'm thankful for Missions of Hope. By the way, hopefully you were looking and thinking, hey, those kids look good. They, they look healthy. And here's why, because of you. When we walk the slums, they don't all look that good. They're not all that healthy. But because of you, those are thousands of children. Thousands of children. And God looks at that and says, that's what you and I are to do. So right now, if you can, I'm going to encourage you to actually say, I'm going to sponsor a child. Um, Missions of Hope, who we work with, has a number you text in. It's 474747. Three four sevens. By the way, seven is God's number. So if you want, you want to think about it, it's for God, for God, for God. So you text for God, for God, for God, and you say, I'm going to change the life of a child. It's $38 a month. By the way, please don't text unless you're really serious, because the minute you text, they're going to send you the name of a child and information, and that child's going to be reserved for you and come out of the, the database. And of course, it can eventually go back in, but we don't want to do that. But I do hope you do it. I do hope you think, God's been good to me this year. I'm going to, I'm going to change the life of a child. By the way, you could go and see that child uh, when all this lets up. Uh, you can have other people connect and communicate with your child because it's very personal. And if you didn't catch it, they're crossroads. See, we not only give them sponsorship, you give them belonging. They walk around saying, I'm crossroads. Because they, they say, there's people who are Christians that love me enough to care for me. And so right now, I'm gonna encourage you to do that. Text in, get, uh, text in sponsor, sponsor to 474747. So you text sponsor to 474747 and change the life of a child. Right now, I'm going to ask you, where are you at with the Lord? The God who loves you actually cares not only for you, but for others, and he actually wants you to live your life to make the difference for somebody else. When you and I live our life the way we're supposed to, we have a heavenly calling. We have a divine purpose. 
And you know what? You're made for that. You're made to live in that. Uh, not made to live in sin or failure or weakness or, or, or a place where you're not sure you can make it. You're made to live in victory and being an overcomer and as a child of God. And the God who today is giving many of us a chance to sponsor a child is the very same God who loves you so much he wants you to be his child. You know what that means? It's kind of like God's going to sponsor you. That's pretty cool. And today you can choose to give yourself to God or not. You could choose to be his. How do you do that? Well, you need to say yes to him. And the Bible says it starts by praying a prayer and saying to God, I want to give my life to you. So today, if you are somebody who's never met the Lord, I'm going to invite you to come to know the one who loves you so much that he provides for you and wants to protect you and wants to guide you and wants to show you your purpose. Maybe you're a Christian and you need to come back to God. Maybe you need to get your marriage right. Maybe you need to get some relationships right. Maybe you need to grab hold of hope again. If that's you, right now is the time to do it. I'm going to lead a prayer. When you can pray it here or on the patio or online where you can say yes to God. And right now, if you're ready to do that, I'm going to ask you to pray this prayer with me. Right now, pray this prayer with me if you're ready to say yes to God. Say, Lord Jesus, I know you love me. And I know you died on the cross for me and you died for my sins. I pray you'll forgive me and cleanse me from all my sin. I pray you'll heal me from hurt and pain. I pray you'll free me from anything or anyone that's holding me down or holding me back. But most of all, I pray you'll make me yours. I pray you'll make me alive and I pray you'll make me brand new. So I say yes to you. And again, if that's all you can say, say those words. I say yes to you. And I say yes to the life you have for me. So take me now and make me yours. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen if you pray that prayer. Amen. Wow. Amen. Praise God if you said that prayer. If you made a commitment to Jesus today, best decision of your life. I mean, that is absolutely incredible. Now, we want to walk alongside you in this decision. We don't want you to have to do it alone. And we want to make sure that we can help you in any way that you need, answer any questions that you have. So you can go to crossroadschurch.family and let us know that you made a decision today. Don't worry. We're not going to bother you. We're not going to show up at your door. We really just want to connect with you and make sure that you have us on your side helping you out in any step along the way. Now, we also all have a next step to take. If you just gave your life to Christ, it might be baptism or joining a life group. Maybe if you've been here for a while, it's leading or serving or doing something to grow your faith and take a next step. Go to crossroadschurch.family and click on the link that says, I would like to take my next step right there. And you can find all of the information right there. Now, today, if Pastor Chuck spoke about donating and sponsoring a child and that really spoke to you, you can actually text the word sponsor to 474747 today to get information about that. If today's message really spoke to you and you found it encouraging and you thought of someone who might want to hear it as well, be sure to share it to them. We would love for you to spread the word that someone else could hear this and make a difference in their life. Now, Crossroads, I am so happy that you joined us today and I cannot wait to see you next week. Go have a good week, make a difference, and we'll see you here next Sunday.